All right, good morning, good evening, and hello everyone. Thank you for being here today. Welcome back to the Surviving the Suck podcast, where really this is just a space for us to talk a little bit about the suck. Talk about the suck of life, mental health, maybe it's life's unforeseen circumstances, whatever it is that you're going through, just a space to let you know that you are loved and that you are not alone. And we are super, super excited to be back for season three because we have a really, really important guest today kicking off our season three. Most of you maybe might know the name, but Zach Williams is here with us. He has become really just a huge role model for me, not only just in the mental health space, he has started a company called Prepare Your Mind, which actually has become very important in my life, Zach, and I'll I'll tell you a little bit about that later, but he is just a huge advocate in this space, serves on a few boards, and really trying to bring mental health awareness and suicide prevention to the forefront. And so, Zach, thank you for being here today. I'm super excited to talk with you more. And why don't you kick off the conversation here with just a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Well, thank you, Haley. It's a pleasure to be on today. Um, Really appreciate all the work you do and advocacy. So, you know, just want to acknowledge that out the gate. Thank you. Um, for, For me, I never set out to be focused on mental health for my career. Um, the catalyzing moment for me actually came a couple years after my father, who was the entertainer, Robin Williams, died by suicide. And I was just not having a great time of things. I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, generalized anxiety disorder and depression, was self-medicating using alcohol, um, not feeling great most of the time, isolating, felt cut off, what was intentionally cutting myself off from friends and family and um, started to realize something had to give, something had to change. And so the big discovery for me was that service was how I would ultimately start healing. I learned that sharing my story working with organizations that were focused around supporting people, whether they be adults or young people, um, all these things and efforts ultimately helped me heal myself. And so I discovered that service was my path to healing and happiness. Um, At this moment in time, yeah, I'm a co-founder and CEO of the company PIM, which stands for Prepare Your Mind. Um, my father gave me that middle name, Pim, um, and we established an acronym around it, prepare your mind. Uh, it wasn't, I'm not Zach, prepare your mind, Williams. I'm Zach Pim Williams, but ultimately we felt it was nice to attribute something meaningful to that name. Uh, I co-founded the company with my wife, Olivia June Williams, whom went through mental health struggles herself when she was 10 years old her sister died by suicide when my wife was 10 years old her sister died by suicide and um and along her journey she discovered all these things about how lifestyle intervention specifically could support her through her healing journey and um and she introduced things like nutrition to me as a means of supporting mental well-being. I didn't even know that was a thing. I was a little skeptical of 
nutrition actually being supportive. But when I stopped self-medicating using alcohol um, five and a half years ago, um, I was just as stressed, just as anxious, just as depressed as ever. And I was like, hey, well, I thought if you stop drinking, things are just going to get better. And if you don't take care of yourself, if you don't focus on lifestyle change, they can be just the same or potentially, you know, of a similar level of, of, uh, of a similar level of challenge when it comes to mental health issues. So what I discovered was nutrition, if properly applied for me, was decisive. And so in trying some amino acid compounds, specifically GABA, which is gamma amino butyric acid and L-theanine for anxiety, and then tried um, specifically things like 5-HTP and uh, tryptophan for serotonin synthesis. And, and ultimately, I found the experience to be pretty miraculous. I was feeling mostly better within a 48 hour period. And then within a couple of weeks, I had ultimately found a solution for me that I took with me to present and was so impressed with how nutrition played a new role in my life that when paired with advocacy, and an advocacy-focused brand, I thought we we could establish a really compelling company that could stand for mental health advocacy, like Patagonia stands for sustainability, or uh, Red Bull stands for energy, right? And so um, that's why we created PIM. Um, as an extension of that, all roads in my life, aside from spending time with my family and my three-year-old and one-year-old, lead to mental health. Although parenting and mental health go hand in hand, mental health support go hand in hand. Um, the perspective I have at this time is there's a runaway scenario akin to climate change in terms of the collective mental health of communities, populations getting progressively worse and seeing crisis level crisis level considerations for what I'm seeing as a parallel pandemic. And as part of that, we really need to establish systems change for our mental health support. Because if we don't, we're going to look at increase in suicides. We're going to look at increase in addiction, increase in psychoses. It's just, it's just going to get worse. And so we really need to take the initiative and in taking care of ourselves so we can then support others who in turn can take care of themselves. So that's my preamble or ramble, however you want to frame it. And um, yeah, like that. Wow. That is amazing. First of all, uh, thank you for sharing so much of yourself. It's you just touched on so many things I didn't know. I've been kind of looking at your website and uh, also follow Pim on social media, which you should definitely check out their social media posts. I love the memes. I love all the information on there, but I had no idea that was your middle name, first of all. So that is a really, really cool tribute. And also what you even touched on with 
finding your own healing and purpose through service is so relatable, not only just in my life, but there's so many people who I've met through the mental health advocacy space who are in the same boat and saying, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm just learning through other people's stories and really our own stories become survival guides for others. And so I think you've done that really well. So major, major props to you, but, you know, additionally adding on to that too, I heard a quote recently where someone said, you know, the more mental illness that we see expressed in society is a cue that the culture sick and not always the person. And it made me take a step back and think, you know, exactly what you just said, when you think about mental health care and the system that we have, we don't set up people very well for success and something has to change. And like you said, if not, we're going to see, um, unfortunately, more deaths by suicide. And, and that's why we fight. So thank you for being in the fight, first of all, because we need your voice here. But, you know, anyone who's listening to this, if you, ha- if you have a passion for this, get involved. It's just, it's an extremely important topic. So thank you, Zach, for talking a little bit more um, about your journey in that too. And, you know, even on this podcast, we talk a lot about surviving the suck, you know, which is really just mental health challenges or life's unforeseen circumstances. And so can you tell us a little bit more about a time that you had to survive the suck or even more recently, you know, you've become a parent, got your family, and I'm sure it's hard to kind of juggle all the plates. So how do you kind of stay afloat, especially in these times that we live in now? Yeah, well, great question. I've come to prioritize mental hygiene. So I look at nutrition, fitness, mindfulness, meditation, therapy, community support, things specific for myself, like breath work and intermittent fasting, but are also helpful for other people. All of these interventions, which is what they are, they're lifestyle interventions, when applied in a in a specific way on a daily basis can be transformational for people. And for myself, I very much focus on nutrition, some fitness, mindfulness, some some meditation, breath work, and um, intermittent fasting. These are the things that are helpful for me specifically. But I also want to popularize the premise of mental hygiene because too often people think about taking care of mental health as going to therapy once a week. Therapy in many situations is unaffordable. I would say, you know, in in the U.S., therapy can be unattainable in about 90% of the circumstances, getting high-quality therapeutic care. And so the challenge that I see is how can we find the mosaic that works best for us as a unique individual related to lifestyle interventions that can support us in preventing getting to the point where we're actually needing crisis-oriented care. Um, so I survived the suck through mental hygiene. That is pretty amazing. I, I love that you touched on that because I feel mental hygiene is not discussed enough. And exactly like you said too, a lot of people kind of just move immediately to therapy, um, but don't realize there's so much work even outside of that. And then also, like you touched on, there's also that barrier of, well, I can't afford therapy. Or even let's say, you know, you're someone that you don't have insurance or you just are in a really, really bad financial spot, especially with 
even, you know, the stigmas that are still around therapy today, if you've got that extra barrier of, of finance, financial hardship there too, you're not going to want to go to therapy. Um, it's just going to be written off. And so how do we get people to even take a step back and look at mental health more as, you know, all encompassing, even of your emotional health, your social health, all those extra things. So I absolutely love that because it's all, it's about the whole person, you know, and sometimes we focus just acutely on the brain, but I I even think it goes beyond that too. Physical health is so connected, our our social health, emotional health, all those things. So I love that you touched on that because it's absolutely true. So I understand as well that you've created your own mental health organization, PIM, which we talked a little bit about, but I know that you're also involved with Bring Change to Mind. And so you finding this purpose through service and healing and, and all these things, why do you still feel that the topics of mental health and suicide prevention, especially in young people, are so vital today? Well, modern lifestyle in the U.S. and many places abroad uh, is extremely stressful. And our bodies and minds are not super well suited or have not evolved to the point where they can manage the level and inputs of stress that we're receiving. It's work, it's news, it's the political environment, it's potential, you know, social unrest, it's modern technology delivering content to your face for hours a day um, in a way that engages you, whether it's good content, bad content, frightening content, what have you. And so combined with that, we're over-marketed too in terms of brands and, you know, companies seeking to deliver certain messages in conjunction with, in many cases, not having access to fresh whole foods and so forth. Many Americans tens of millions, potentially hundreds of millions don't have access to the appropriate type of nutrition combined with, um, you know, a stressful economic environment in many circumstances, just because of the the growing inequality gap. Um, So we could be in boom time. We could be in a bear market. It can, it's stressful in either case for I believe the majority of Americans, because the majority of Americans have savings less than a thousand dollars. That to me is a major stressor that I've noticed is, you know, the financial considerations, economic media, nutrition, uh, or lack of quality nutrition combined with other elements too, you know, 50% of America is pre-diabetic or diabetic. That means that when it comes to taking, you know, certain measures, whether they be pharmacological or otherwise, a pre-diabetic or diabetic um, metabolism has challenges metabolizing things in a way that enables optimal outcomes, right? So there's just all these societal and lifestyle factors that create an extremely stressful environment. We have 
in our body something called an allostatic load, which is essentially a system <clears throat> that manages stress. Right. And when we surpass, it's, it's basically the body's capability of managing stress. That's our allostatic load. When we surpass that allostatic load, and it's it's unique to individuals. Some people can manage a lot of stress. Some people can manage less stress. When it when it surpasses a certain threshold, that's when it leads to dysregulation. That's when it leads to panic, any number of different things. And so that's happening more and more and more because of the level of stressors that we're being inundated with as a culture. And so really when it comes down to managing that, we need to take unusual measures, exceptional measures to manage our mental health in an, a rapidly evolving environment that's ultimately declining our quality of life. Yeah. Oh man, you just touched on so many things that um, I'm, I'm thinking about already. I, I'm sure you've heard the term neuroplasticity. That's something that I have really, really grown um, fond of talking about, especially through my own journey and um, and healing from PTSD as well. And I was just at a, a session last night with two counselors and they were talking about neuroplasticity in the brain and how important it is um, in terms of, of even mental hygiene too, is, you know, you have to work on strengthening those positive neuropaths in your brain every single day. And when you've got bad memories, working to create more good memories and just keep that repetition, um, you know, throughout the day. And, and for me, that's going for walks or sometimes that's meditation in the morning and at night. And, and Zach, I don't, I don't know, do you do those little things throughout your day too, that kind of help you, um, with that, or, or have you, have you thought more about even neuroplasticity in the brain and, and how that can even affect what you're doing with your company and even beyond that too? Yeah. So we have, as a company, um, when it comes to establishing neuroplastic states in individuals, um, from a scientific perspective and a research perspective, there are interventions that are proven out to be effective in helping facilitate a neuroplastic state. Mm -hmm. um, the two specifically that are shown to be most scientifically proven are meditation and psychedelic interventions. Yeah. Um, meditation is what I personally gravitate towards. I think psychedelic interventions are exceptional in many circumstances, especially when it relates to integrated care models. Mm -hmm. Meaning you're with a psychotherapist, you're with a trained psychiatrist who can in turn create an integrated journey for you through healing, through change and so forth. And so um, for me, meditation is, is with, with, a, with a methodology and a ritualized approach to it. It's a very simple, straightforward way to establish neuroplasticity and neuroplastic states. You need to be consistent with it, mm -hmm. but it's free. It literally requires nothing. 
aside from ideally a place where you can sit quietly. And the beauty of it is it's not like, and I think, I think sometimes people conflate meditation with being some sort of enlightened individual where you can sit and you are one with the world and so forth. It doesn't really work like that. Mm -hmm. Um, You will sit, whether it's a five minute session, whether it's a 45 minute session and your mind will have intrusive thoughts. The thing is, it's just like going to the gym. Over time, it creates more and more value for the mind. The more time you spend contemplating a meditative state. So the beauty of is it the beauty of it is if you have a baseline level of focus around it, like baseline, bare baseline, bare minimum, you can establish transformational outcomes over time. Mm. So for me, there's a beauty in that simplicity, right? You can sit there, you can be still, you start with five minutes, start with 10 minutes and just focus on your breath. Focus on just being. And it it's miraculous in how it works. So, um, so yeah, you know, on the meditation side, I think that's my focus around supporting neuroplasticity. And then on the psychedelic intervention side, I mean, the science that's being established is absolutely incredible. You know, now there's mm-hmm. companies developing novel molecules that won't have euphoric or hallucinogenic um, outcomes, right? You can actually have the benefit, the neuroplasticity benefits, the the neuroscientific benefits without having euphoria or feeling high or displaced or so forth. And so, you know, many would make the argument, well, you know, the the journey associated with the hallucinations and and so forth are part of the experience. And I wouldn't disagree or agree with that. The main thing for me is that there are evidence-backed approaches towards establishing healing and support-oriented protocols, leveraging psychedelic interventions. And there's a, there's a spectrum of what that looks like, whether it's, you know, toad venom and 5-MeO or psilocybin or all the incredible work that's occurring around MDMA research for say PTSD. Mm -hmm. Um, There's all these different modalities of support. So I would say we're in the early stages of what we're going to see is becoming transformational outcomes for individuals focused on integrative care solutions. That is incredible. I've had so many people ask me about Um, the psychedelic kind of side of this and a lot of people very interested. So I love that you talked a little bit more about that because it's, it's going to be interesting to see the science kind of unfold in front of us and how this can actually really, really help people and bring strong solutions too. So that is very exciting. The science behind all of this is so fascinating to me, but you know, a lot of people who listen to this podcast too, Zach have some 
similar experiences as you, similar experiences that I, and experiencing mental health issues and having to walk through life, experiencing trauma and trying to kind of come out of that. And sometimes they even feel trapped in it. And so what would you tell anyone who's listening to our conversation and maybe they're just in a really, really dark spot and they're struggling? What advice or life lessons do you have for them? Um, well, the, the advice I would give would depend on how the trauma is manifested and what the time frame is around it. If you've experienced recent traumas, the thing is to give yourself space to start to heal. I think often, especially amongst individuals who are oriented more around empathy, um, it can be hard to prioritize oneself when an, an, you know, a family member has passed away or a friend or, um, you know, even with traumas that occur around, you know, personal harm, sexual assault or so forth, it can be um, challenge, challenging for an individual to focus on self-care because it can be seen as being selfish. Um, and so really finding ways to discover how to love oneself and understand that the process of self-love is self-care and is not a selfish consideration is a good starting point in any case, right? Um, the challenge of trauma and so forth is that it, it causes physiological changes in the brain. And, you know, when paired with grief, for instance, um, it can it can deaden emotions it can cause displacement it can create all these other issues associated with it and so creating space or a, you know a foundation for the brain and the mind and body to start to heal is a starting point and i really think it starts with finding ways to establish opportunities to love oneself that's the starting point I would say if you're talking about old traumas or or you know, when I say old, old's relative, but you know, traumas that might have, you know, might have occurred in the past, <clears throat> whether it's kind of, you know, the medium term or the distant past, um, but manifest in terms of the psyche and so forth in all sorts of different ways. Um the key consideration is starting to identify what those traumas are or the symptoms. You might not know the traumas. A lot of people have a un, unspecified trauma and, and understanding the symptoms of that, whether it's anxiety, whether it's pathologies re relating to, you know, overeating or addictive behavior or, you know, acting out anger or so forth, understanding and acknowledging, Hey, this is, these are elements that I'm, this is behavior that I'm manifesting that I do not want to manifest anymore and seeking to then understand, Hey, what are, what do I have at my disposal? What's my toolkit? Often in the case of trauma, an important element of it is community support, talk therapy. It's only to start a dialogue generally with someone else or, you know, community around what, personal experiences, sometimes in a shared experience situation, so that you can then start parsing out what the actual trauma is, right? Because we might have 
certain presumptions around what our trauma specifically is. And then in talking through it, it could be like, oh, wow, it's actually the results of this trauma that cause, you know, embarrassment or, or isolation or um, cause me to, you know, to create a, a rift in my family or because ultimately it caused my sibling to be hurt or, or push me away. And, you know, what we don't acknowledge often enough is look, there's all these, these elements, these symptoms of the trauma, whether they're relational or otherwise that we don't necessarily talk about because we're focused on the specific events, but the event itself or the collection of events are an essential part of going through the important consideration around it is that there's likely satellite, there's likely kind of orbiting issues that need to be addressed and established as part of that. And if we don't start identifying those orbiting issues, what we're going to do is we're going to, it's kind of, we're going to start dealing with the specific trauma and then we're going to continue to have issues. And because of all these orbiting issues that weren't necessarily dealt with, and then, you know, potential new issues can crop up. It's kind of like, if you're looking at, if you think about like a horror film, right. And, you know, the, the monster gets, you know, ejected out into space, but you know, the, uh, the monster spawn is still in the vents. Like that's, that's what's going on. Right. You know, and if we don't, if we don't deal with the monsters spawn, what's going to happen is, you know, they'll repopulate and create other issues. So we need to, I'm using that analogy because <laughs> if we, if we, if we look at the narrative narrative of trauma, it can be feel very much like a horror movie. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I actually really like that analogy. It's true. Learning to manage these things over time is, is scary itself. Um, but it is possible. Recovery is possible. And I think you, you really are a great example of that as well. And so Zach, I, I just want to thank you again for your time today. Thank you for the conversation. I, I, I've personally, I've learned so much from you and I thoroughly enjoy everything that you've even provided through PIM. Uh, I actually still take a lot of the gummies and they have helped me so much. Even before my TED talk, I used them and I, it just, I was felt like I was just on the verge of freaking out and it just helped me breathe. And I was like, okay, I got this. Thanks, Zach. <laughs> Thanks, Pim. That's so what they do. They, they erase, <laughs> yeah. they erase the issues. And so that's why we created them to support people without them, without people feeling heady or, you know, high. It, yeah. It's just, it's meant to create a clarity income. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it definitely has for me. So please, please check out more about Zach Williams and Pim. He's doing some amazing work in the world. And so just can't thank you enough, Zach. Is there anything else you want to add before we close up today? Yeah, I'm just deeply appreciative of everything you do. And thank you for taking the time to speak with me. I'm, I'm very grateful. Awesome. Well, we're just as grateful. Thank you again. And everyone who's listening, you are not alone. If anything that we talked about today interests you more, let us know. Most importantly, if you're really struggling and you don't feel that you have anyone to talk to, you can always, always call the National Suicide Hotline, which is 988, or you can text 741741. It's free, confidential, available 24-7. And just know that we are here for you. We appreciate you and we see you. So thank you again. Have a great rest of your day.